Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello everyone, this week on Around the Coin we had kind of a firestorm of topics, so there's a lot of news and we went through it all and we went through quick. We talked about Tim Cook's uh, Apple Pay being basically approved for government usage. We talked about the rumors of Playso. If you haven't heard of Playso, it's a interesting concept. Uh, completely, completely rumors at this point. We talked about the JetBlue accepting Apple Pay. Uh, and we also discussed sort of the philosophical future of consolidation of wealth. We discussed driver driverless cars being approved in the UK, uh, how that's being brought upon the U.S. in terms of the, the Federal Highway Act, and it will become state law soon enough. And just what's going to happen in the future there uh, towards the end of the show was particularly my favorite. And as always, if you have any feedback, comments, questions, or topics you'd like us to cover in the future, don't hesitate to let us know. Thanks, and hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back for another exciting episode of Around the Coin. We have the three of us, Brian, Faisal, Mike, here today. And we have a load of topics that we're going to machine gun through, and it'll be an exciting one. Brian Faisal, Brian, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Good morning, gentlemen. Faisal? Good morning to you, sir. How are you doing? I am great. I'm great. And we have Faisal tuning in from Pakistan and Brian from Orange County, I believe. Nope, little little hidden place in Southern California. Hidden place in Southern California. Temecula, California. Uh, Let's Temecula. call it that. The wine country of Southern the California. The wine, California. The wine, the wine portion of it. Yes. Um, sure. So in 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 all of our news, we have Tim Cook and Apple Pay taking the the headliner. Brian, this has always been your topic. Something you are very passionate about. Why don't you update us as to what's going on? Why this is a big deal. So just just so we know what the uh, context is, Brian, it's the understanding is that the U.S. government would now be accepting Apple Pay. So we would be interested to know what's the scale of the acceptance and how is it? Uh, and, and is it an exclusive deal or is it? You know, maybe you can explain that. Absolutely, gentlemen. Um, probably the biggest news of any payment system in the history of payment systems. Simply nothing compares to this sort of um, uh, astounding growth of Apple Pay in less than 120 days of existence. We went from the naysayers uh, just this summer saying that NFC is dead, Apple will never get into payments, it's all a, a mirage, 
closed wallets are going to rule. And everybody had their little silos of closed wallets. And what, to me, a closed wallet is where the company is trying to own the merchant and the consumer at the same time. Those days are over. Now what we have is Apple Pay. The U.S. government, in the context of a security conference uh, held at Stanford uh, and attended by the president of the White House, um, are talking about a new way to secure the existing credit card in 2015. The idea was presented on stage. And um, if you were to do this two years ago, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover would be very uh, agitated that your entire credit card number is on the face of the card. So is your CVV2 code. So is your name. And uh, perhaps even other insights you can derive from that card if you're really uh, intelligent. Um, in the modern setting, and again, with the context of the security summit that uh, Tim Cook attended, we're trying to get the card to move into a secured environment that in the case of Apple is biometrically locked down and stored in something that's called the secure element. Tim Cook uh, went on the stage and essentially said that the U.S. government, all of its uh, points of receiving credit cards, are going to be adopting Apple Pay technology. Now, that's what Tim Cook would say because he's Tim Cook and, you know, he... Uh, rightly so, should be very proud of inventing Apple Pay. But the true subtext of this is the U.S. government NFC readers to all of its payment card terminals. Now, the crotchety in the payment industry would just yell out and say, hey, you kids, get off the lawn. We're never going to pay for NFC readers. The government will take years. Not the case. The banks that have the contract to support the U.S. government to have payment card acceptance, have already, uh, well, not officially, but in, in the channels that I've communicated with unofficially, have already committed to upgrade these terminals at no cost to the government. So we can expect not only NFC acceptance at U.S. parks, uh, museums, and other areas, but uh, even some of the less uh, likely areas where a lot of money goes through, and that's within the U.S. judiciary system. Uh, lawyers buy uh, thousands and thousands of page documents at a time uh, from the government uh, concerning uh, different Supreme Court cases, uh, legal fees, all these different things. Uh, the the um, government printing office will be one of the first. Uh, and as much as print is uh, not as popular anymore, uh, the government printing office is still printing a whole lot of stuff, and the potential of moving to Apple Pay uh, could be quite large. So, and Brian, is this ways. Brian? Is this going to be so? When I when you hear Apple Pay, <clears throat> a lot of people think of the in person experience. Is that different than what's going on here? Are they looking at this from a uh, a web exchange, or is this going to be something in person where they actually walk up with their iPhone and and make the payment in person? Both, actually. And, and again, that's something that wasn't really covered by the, the, the media, is that the, the government is committed to um, actually creating apps. So people in the government actually, actually making payments, uh, it, it seems a little bit vague as to the use cases here. <clears throat> is the bulk of the uh, situations where a government employee is making a payment on their personal iPhone? I mean, I can't see that being Here, the case. Oh, oh, there's multiple parts to this. So that's one part. Government is accepting Apple Pay at its... Uh, locations, right? Next phase of it is the government 
cards that are issued to government employees for all sorts of expenses. Those cards are going to be Apple Pay ready probably before the summer. And what that means is the uh, government employee can load that card into an iPhone and start paying NFC. Uh, there is, uh, what is it, uh, 68 billion transactions last year on that. So not exactly what I would call a small value uh, of transactions. Now, are all of them going to be Apple Pay? Of course not. Never will they ever all be Apple Pay. Are all of them going to be NFC? Of course not. You know, ultimately, as other uh, innovators build around NFC, they're going to create a behavior and a desire, if there wasn't already a desire amongst merchants to accept Apple Pay, the fact that you have government workers who come into your facility at all times, and it's not just in Washington, D.C. Let me tell you, it's in every major city and secondary city where they're coming in to do all sorts of things, buying office supplies, uh, getting uh, tires on government vehicles, getting – we can go down a whole list. Uh, I went down uh, for a reporter uh, on Friday uh, over about 275 uh, uh, government procurement card purchase types and uh, – we can always get oh, yeah. so there's, there's, it sounds like there's a bunch of use cases here, but the majority of it is going to be at the retail stores or at retail locations for or is it online i'd imagine online is where they expect the majority of the volume to come from well, yes and no government is uh very iffy on some types of online purchases using uh Apple pay within these confines may in fact accelerate that uh, not only on the side of some of the websites that cater to government procurement purchases but also uh, on uh, on the part of the actual user of the card so that's one side that's one two three now there's a third side. Uh, Tim Cook uh, presented the fact that VA, Veterans Administration, and Social Security cards may very soon be injected directly into the iPhone in a virtual card. Uh, Now, to understand what this means, uh, we're talking about a massive shift in behavior, uh, not only by how the government is delivering benefits to um, people who hopefully earn those benefits, uh, but also uh, the way those uh, people will wind up spending those benefits. See, what we discovered when the government stopped sending out checks to Social Security recipients and, and to VA uh, recipients, what we discovered is the moment it moved to uh, the payment card uh, back uh, in the 90s, we saw a tremendous shift in payment habits. Grocery stores n- literally overnight started accepting uh, payment cards when they didn't. The grocery store category was one of the last categories to accept payment cards, and they did it overnight. And for one very simple reason, people were coming in using their government um, uh, benefits to buy groceries, and they had to go and find an ATM machine to convert it to cash. It was an inconvenience, and the grocery stores decided to absorb the 1.5% uh, that was going out to the payment card companies. So the same is going to be held true Uh, with Apple Pay. Now, there's a lot of people who are armchair observers to this, and a lot of them are young, some of them are old, and they were not living through this epoch, or they didn't see it up close, or it wasn't on their radar screen, because let's face it, payments weren't sexy uh, in the 90s. Uh, You know, they were a a bit of like having a mullet, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, getting back to this... You said that wasn't sexy. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Fun in the front, serious now. No, fun in the back, serious in the front. No, the thing about it is, once you start having such massive effect on the behavior of individuals, it happened before. You know, it happened with checks. 
uh, at one time, you you didn't get a check mailed to you from uh, for government benefits. You had to pick it up. And then the U.S. mail system started mailing it. And then it went from checks to payment cards. And now it's going to go from payment cards to electronic devices. Human behavior doesn't change. So I don't need to really conduct a study yet. I will. But I can tell you empirically from history what's going to happen. And it's going to break the hearts of people who are on the side of Apple Pay's. Okay, that that's nice. The government's doing it, but you're never going to get old people to use Apple Pay. I uh, would argue against that. I would argue that as uh, we see the older and older demographic adopt smartphones, you will see them winding up getting comfortable to some extent with using their smartphone to conduct a payment. Uh, Apple Pay happens to be the leader in this at this moment because rightly so, they invented the marketplace by putting together desperate pieces of biometrics, mm. tokenization, their, their big aspect negotiation. is security. Yeah, it's a big deal. So, the, I mean, this, the government is essentially exactly. is taking the first handshake with Apple. I'm sure there'll be others to come, but we'll look to see how this really plays out and uh, you know, if Apple release any numbers upon government payment transactions. Um, let's let's kind of spin this into the next topic of Playso. <clears throat> uh, wow. Yeah. W- w- maybe give us a, a quick recap as to the news here, particularly what's new about it and and why people didn't see it coming, which was, I thought, most interesting. Well, it's, it's actually at this point um, a rumor uh, written from a source that is highly respected, uh, a publication called The Information. And by a writer who is just incredible in his knowledge. Uh, the headline is Who was the writer? Uh, I got to get his name. I, Jason, it wasn't uh, Jason Delaware. No, 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 for no, no. Rico. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember. He, we actually. No worries. We could, I'll put it, I'll, I'll include it in the show notes. Yes, it's uh, Amir uh, Efferati. And uh, Amir is uh, probably one of the great journalists uh, and a few others. Uh, I will list them someday. There's about 10 really good journalists I, I follow. Um, and he works with Jessica Lesson, who is also a very well-respected journalist. And the information is a, is a pay publication that is doing exceedingly well uh, in a world of free publications. So it's a good read. But here's the headline. Payment strategy takes shape. Google and Square respond. And that story has been wrapped together that um, uh, here's a takeaway. As Apple pushes its payment technology to retailers, Google and Square are developing new products to catch up or protect their turf. So the optics of this is really quite clear, uh, that uh, this particular writer is linking Google and uh, Square into sort of the same, let's call it reactionary position, uh, not of leading innovation, but responding to prior innovation that was sort of uh, produced by Apple here. What uh, is Playso under this uh, P-L-A-S-O? Playso is a project name that uh, is correct, uh, that I've actually heard of that before. Um, And I've heard of it under a number of different designations, not just payments or some other aspects to it. But um, what uh, the writer has has done is... um, they, they sort of got some insiders to speak about this in detail, quite un, uh, unprecedented. Um, you have Google essentially rematerializing the failed pay-with-your-name uh, square wallet concept. 
but it's not even pay with your name. Um, under what I've read in this story, and it's not what I've heard in my rumors, but what I've read in this story is that you walk up to the um, a cashier and you whisper your initials to pay for something. And um, it sounds to me to have the same scaling problems that pay with your name, that square. Yeah, very, very similar use case, right? I mean, you're essentially asking people to make some verbal identification uh, to connect them to the, the transaction. Now, contrast this to the security summit that was held on Friday. We don't know who you are uh, very much uh, because it's randomized. We don't know what you bought, and uh, we don't know how much you paid for it, is what uh, Tim Cook is saying about Apple Pay. They get randomized information because they have to get paid for uh, their agreements under uh, the card-issuing banks for saving them from so much fraud losses. So now we have Google that essentially is taking a step back. And, and by the way, pay with your name is not a new concept. I mean, it was, it was brilliantly adapted by Square, but there were other companies that had similar concepts over the last 30 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether it was a password, whether it was saying uh, a specific amount or something like that. So is this, it was is this done true? Before. Do you think this is actually, I mean, how, how substantiated is this, is this rumor? Where, where do these things even come from? Well, this one is not a very publicized story. Well, it, it, well, it came from one one writer who's doing journalism, uh, much to the, sh- the I hope chagrin. he's not creating rumors. I would never say that in a million years. I would not question the integrity of the publication, yeah, I agree. Jessica. I, I don't and, see and, the incentive there. No. Well, it's, not only is there not an incentive, these are people who have journalistic integrity. Uh, certainly, they want people to read their publication, but they don't want the uh, reality uh, a year later that they uh, fabricated something. So there is substance to this story. Um, now, does it mean that this is a product? Just because you're testing an idea uh, in field research, does it mean that it becomes a product? I would argue that that's not the case. Yeah, no way. I fully now, agree. I mean, they'll they'll test things all day. Sometimes they'll even test things to throw out, you know, uh, throw out decoys. Well, there's misinformation out there all the time. And what I can say is that there's enough substantiation to this story that uh, there are other people coming up and saying, yeah, we had that in our store. Uh, So there's some people, again, this is off the record to uh, people I know that have uh, uh, verified it. So the reason why it became became 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock news on local radio uh, and TV stations. It was 6 o'clock news. It was uh, a big deal when this story came out. The sad thing is uh, Square got themselves attached to this story, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, There's rumor that Square is actually working with Google on this project. Um, That was not alleged in this particular piece, but there were secondary uh, sources that were kind of tying these things together. So it wasn't an accident that this particular system is, uh, is playing out. The other aspect of the story is Square is uh, committing itself to the Android platform uh, for a future POS system. And um, I will stay mum about this. I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they're doing something innovative and good. But I would say that the optics of doing what they're doing right now is history will find it as profoundly, profoundly flawed. Who's ever leading? Now, is this the? the are you referring to the Google project for building point of sale software, or is this nope. back to the Playso concept nope. of ID? With it's your actually name? back to the story that was written uh, at the information. It was tied together uh, between Google creating Playso 
and perhaps a link to Square with Pay With Your Name. Uh, again, I don't know that as a fact, but there are a lot of uh, confirming stories that there is a sharing of mindshare, uh, if you will, on this idea. But the other aspect is uh, apparently Square is committed to creating an, a standalone, fully built, customized Android point-of-sale system uh, and no longer fully committed to the Apple side of things. And a lot of people are reading this in ways that I hope Square doesn't want it to be read. Uh, problem number one, let's face the reality. Square could have been Apple Pay Ready on September 9th, 2014. Somebody or a group of somebodies chose not to be. They made an absolute positive decision. We are not supporting Apple Pay the day it's released. The most amazing technological achievement in payments since the history of the magnetic card, they got the maladvice to not support it. And what we did get is sometime uh, a few weeks later is the semi-support of we will support any payment that comes across the counters of our merchants, including Bitcoin and Apple Pay and anything else. Uh, so you know, we're going to... So basically, the the action step here is to hang tight and see, wait and see, right? See yeah. if there's more released. Uh, we can kind of speculate, but there is no concrete. I don't like I don't like basing anything on rumor. Uh, when I talk about stuff that's not here, uh, I don't talk about rumor. I usually talk about ninety nine percent of the time is empirical. It's so, yeah, it's so it's so much better to essentially draw conclusions on the future based yeah. on the pieces of news that are released. Yeah, what I do is I, I use patents. I use people I know already using things. I use people who are inside companies who say, mm -hmm. that, Brian, this is what we're doing, and it's okay for you to say this. 95%, uh, unfortunately for a lot of people who think I just blow my mind on everything I hear, 95% of what I hear I, I don't talk about. And, and I do that for a lot of reasons, and most of the time it's out of respect and honor and integrity to the people who are telling me. They say, listen, I'm working on this project. Don't talk about it. Yeah, right. You won't hear so. me talk about it. So let's let's move into a topic that is uh, more fun loving, uh, which is the Pinterest buy button, right? I think we've all kind of anticipated it. We spoke on previous shows about Pinterest releasing this and how it's going to sort of play out. But Pinterest is is they did it right? They have a buy button now that you well, can click. It's not one hundred percent It's not out yet. It's it, but it, it, I think they they released it on some users, not not yes, everyone, but they did release it. It's definitely in the wild. It's definitely being tested now, Mike. Uh, I got to hear your feedback on this. I, I know you've been observing Pinterest from your side of the world and everything. How does this feel to you? What you know, you have all this sharing in Pinterest. What do you think is going to happen here? I mean, I think it's going to be become the the platform to find. I think of everything sort of in terms of uh, niche user experiences, right? The the situation I rarely ever go on Pinterest, right? People go on all day, but there's certain things that trigger you to go on Pinterest, right? We wanted in our office space, for instance, we wanted to find uh, nice. We don't really have great decorations in the wall, so we want maybe inspiring posters, maybe some lights, maybe you know. We didn't know exactly what we wanted, but we knew we wanted something, right? And there's something out there that we don't even know what it is yet that we want to buy. There you go. And that that's my trigger for Pinterest. So the question is, how often does that happen? And for me, it happens less than, I think, a demographic of, of particularly women, just because it is the demographic that uses it in the U.S. Yes. mostly, who have, they don't know exactly what they want to buy, but they know the category, right? Shoes or clothing or jewelry or about, sort of what expendables. What about impulse buying? You know, I mean, you yes. have all these people uh, scrolling over there. Yes. Right now, even if they had the impulse to buy, there isn't any buy button. So now that you have it, it's just like, I mean, 
tangential example. Well, tangential example of like spam. Well, not spam. Let's say a mailing list. You know, ten thousand yeah. emails you send out. You know, twenty people buy it. So because there is the ability to buy now, so I think it's I, the I, most I think, entertaining way to shop. I think I think Amazon. I think you know Google. If you're going to buy online, are not they're not fun ways to shop. I think Pinterest tries to make it successfully fun. Right? You can go on and oh look at all these things, and you can favorite and you can pin. And now, if you really want that in your life, you can just buy it. And I think well, not just that. I, I think you have to also look at the affiliate model. I mean, you know, a lot of people oh, yeah. were building well, were building blogs and you know sort of putting it in the mailing list. We're going to click this and buy. Now you just go get the affiliate link, get the picture, put it on your Pinterest. Hopefully, it'll make them you know the the timeline for many other people. And you know, a click gets you a little bit of you know sense in your way. Mm-hmm. Gen- gentlemen, this idea of visual discovery. And that's what Mike is uh, typifying here is, I don't know what I want, but I know I want something. And you're searching via primarily images. And Pinterest, obviously, was designed around these images. And I can tell you, uh, I, as a researcher, I, I'm, you know, I have a Pinterest account. I don't think I've pinned a single thing. But as a researcher and observing buying behaviors, I've done a lot of studying of this. I have actually two studies I've conducted. All right, so what I, one study was based around weddings. 89% of weddings, 89%, uh, and I, I did this in correlation with um, a wedding publication. It's not officially out, but I can talk about the numbers. 89% of weddings are using Pinterest uh, amongst the bridesmaids. And this is what typically happens. When, when, a, when a young girl or woman is deciding that they're going to get married and, uh, or, or deciding their wedding day, uh, obviously they were, they were proposed to, there becomes almost a beehive of activity. Uh, you know, the, the bridesmaids and, and everybody starts, the moms and friends and, uh, you know, aunts, they start forming Pinterest groups and they start looking at dresses and accessories and things like that. And they reach far and wide amongst other Pinterest users that are having weddings. And, whoa, look at this invitation. I wonder where I can find that. Somebody has an Etsy link, and then they go there, and they go there. So it's actually an entire new subculture. Uh, It was a subculture, now becoming a popular culture outside the guides of the normal Silicon Valley startup uh, mechanizations, primarily because of demographic shift. The young guys, the 20-odd-year-old guys that are building a lot of these companies are not pinning. Their girlfriends are, but probably mm-hmm. not asking them very much what they're doing with their free time. It is a guilty pleasure. But Faisal is so spot on about the impulsive buy. And that is you see something on Pinterest go by, you go, well, yeah, okay, maybe I'll buy that. You just don't want to go that extra mile to try to find out where it is and and enroll in your card. And, and if you could press a button right there and it's, well, let's say it, Apple Pay. Uh, you're mm. on your phone, you press a button, it's yours. It is going to be phenomenal. And mm-hmm. it's also going to break the business plans of you know uh, companies like Fab, Fancy. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the, the, the company I think it would affect the most, believe it or not, it w- would be Etsy. So Etsy sort of satisfies the same need, right? Where you're going on and the beautiful part about Etsy is that it's, it's a commerce site. It's made to purchase. It's built to purchase things, right? People who make these independent crafts, people who go to farmer's markets and sell them can now sell on Etsy. And so a lot of people go on and they just scroll through stuff and they click buy, buy, buy and add it to cart. But now the same, you could do the same thing on Pinterest. So 
especially well, for what's as large stopping, as Etsy. What's stopping someone from an Etsy store pinning on uh, Pinterest? You know, Nothing. that's right. Right. Well, and, and Mike makes a good point, and I would go one level beyond that. What's to stop Etsy from working with uh, Pinterest and sharing revenue? Right, because Pinterest is a facilitator, much like Apple Pay. Pinterest doesn't necessarily want to be the store. They want to just get a piece of the transaction for facilitating something, in this case, facilitating the sale. So it's an affiliate model. So Etsy can use Pinterest as a marketing platform, albeit paying revenues to uh, Pinterest. But on the other side, it would be under the best interest of Pinterest to promote these uh, relationships more. So I don't think their missions are, um, are, are counterproductive. You know, I, I think it's counterproductive to some of the uh, ideas that people have. <laughs> I think well, it's a, it could get to be a, become a fine line. What about, but, 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 do you think, but do you think adding the buy button is going to change the UI, UX experience later on? I mean, you know, you may have options like, you know, premium stores online, you know, uh, where you are not lost amongst the other pins, so to speak? Always possible, right? I mean, that's um, uh, a likely uh, outcome as a Because I, I know one thing for sure, Brian, they do not want you to leave the site, you know? Pinterest doesn't, know. Well, what site no. really does? I mean, you're inside of Twitter or Facebook. You're just getting browsers inside of. The, well, right now, all the mostly. you know, all the internet marketers are just putting affiliate links on the you know in, in where the description is going. So if you click on it or you click on the picture, it will take you to the other side, and you know that's it. But then they've lost you because you've now gone to the other side and a very singular site. So the internet marketers are are, are hoping that you know they have ten thousand pins and you know all the ten thousand pins have affiliate links and oh, they'll yeah. make something out of it. It broke that model. But, it, it broke that yeah. model. I, I'd argue Amazon almost like it would a restaurant, right? A restaurant's goal is to flip tables, right? They want you in, order yeah. out. So I think Amazon's the same way. They structure, they make it super easy to buy. You come in, you know what you want to buy. They make a couple suggestions, you add it to cart, and you're out. Right, the, Amazon doesn't really make that experience of just kind of scrolling through and having fun, whereas mm. whereas Pinterest. Does. The one thing I would think about Pinterest, though, in in, the, in terms of their concern with releasing this button, is a lot of the people on Pinterest are just links to other bloggers. They're not people ready to sell anything, right? So maybe ninety percent of those pins on Pinterest, those those actual representations of the images, just come from other blogs and things like that, right? And they're not actual products to purchase. Well, so I think that's you know, that's what Etsy that, and, and Pinterest could partner well. I think you just uh, wait till about two or maybe 300,000 freelancers who call themselves internet marketeers discover <laughs> the same yeah. thing and I then you, you see how and then you see what will happen to Pinterest mm-hmm. buy buttons all over the yeah, place like if you can make money people will change their habits <clears throat> and, and let's be let's be frank here we're seeing that taking place on Facebook uh, certainly with their buy buttons we're already starting to see the basic elements of that taking place on Snapchat uh, blown away by Snapchat's um, you know uh, discover uh, service. It literally, if you don't Snapchat, it's literally a great reason just to download the app. They've created a whole new format of media presentation, and uh, it's it's nice. It's essentially an extended uh, looping GIF is really what it is. Yeah. But, uh, It'll be fun to see how it plays out. Certainly not our demographic. We should almost uh, have brought on <laughs> yeah. maybe one of our girlfriends or wives for consultation. Yeah, uh, we will. Uh, Faisal, I'd love for you to kick off the American Express topic. Kind of walk us through the news there, um, why it's exciting. We talked a bit of pre-show. So, you know, from my understanding, and 
because I'm not in the U.S. right now, but Costco has an agreement with American Express for donkey years. And uh, it's yep. an and it's an exclusive agreement. I mean, they only accept American Express. Uh, and that will not be the case anymore. Uh, I believe it's March uh, 2016. Is that yep. correct? That's mm-hmm. correct. Um, you know, the writing was on the wall in, in uh, uh, early... Uh, for, for, mid- for exclusivity or for American Express? No, the writing on the wall was the American Express deal uh, exclusivity was ending. I, I noticed it in Canada. Uh, uh, mid part of the year, there were rumors going... Last year, 2014, there were rumors that American Express was going to abandon... Or, or Sorry, Costco was going to abandon American Express in Canada. Mm. That was a rumor. And uh, sure enough, in Canada, as of the first of this year, there's no more American Express. It's Capital One's MasterCard. That's the exclusive transaction system in there. You can only use... That Capital One MasterCard, and uh, you can only uh, that's the only payment uh, method outside of uh, cash. Now, the question is a lot of people didn't observe that behavior, it didn't really become a big thing. I said to myself and a lot of my colleagues at the time that were willing to listen about it this is a telegraphing of what's going to take place in the US, and it may not be such a bad thing for American Express. Why? Because Costco negotiated an amazing deal to American Express to where the cost that American Express is bearing is more than what uh, Costco is sending them. So they're literally, just for the transactions, perhaps losing money. And they may have lost money to begin with or certainly towards the end of the 15-year reign, they started losing more and more money on the relationship for a number of different reasons. Now, that's only one component. The other component is brand awareness and brand extension. Now, if you were to look at the relationship between American Express and Costco's exclusivity as a brand awareness, number one, brand extension, number two, and then finally, usage of the Costco American Express outside of Costco, then American Express already won about 10 years ago, uh, probably, definitely, uh, 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 five years ago. And what, the, what does that mean? 72% of all Costco American Express transactions take place outside of Costco. So we've already created a behavior amongst Costco users. Will they abandon their American Express card that's now just a plain American Express card, uh, perhaps in the future, because they have that right to continue on with the company? No, they'll continue to use it. They, they like the points. They like the behavior. Uh, but they're probably going to have to get a new different uh, type of card over at Costco. And what that turns out to be, I, uh, I'm not willing to fully speculate, but you know, you have to ask yourself, uh, who's, they already who's did Brian it. Brian, not to fully speculate. <laughs> well, you know, look, I, I'm, this is the only thing I could say, is that if you've already created a relationship with Capital One and MasterCard in Canada, mm. it maybe makes a great deal of sense to not have two different methods in the other part of North America, right? So uh, perhaps that's already out there. And this one. You know, somebody had a blink. And there's a good chance that Costco sat down with American Express back in 2014. It wasn't 2015. It was way early in 2014. And they said, you know something? We want to pay uh, 45 basis points less. And American Express went and calculated their numbers. And they said, you know something? If we did that, would really damage the company's revenue. But you know, do and, you and- think but let me ask you, do you think this is a failing on American Express or is it a sign no. of times, a sign of times that, you know, things are getting tougher in the market and people Listen. are now looking at more options? Yeah. Or is it a general strategy play that we do not know about yet? Something that All they're going to be above. doing? 
Brilliant. Really? It's, it's, it's all of the above. Yeah, because basically, let's look at any 15-year relationship. You have to say to yourself, you know, mm. what, was the, what, were the, what were the mechanics that put that relationship together 15 years ago? They're not anywhere love. close at the same time. It, it was, a, yeah, it was love. Uh, you know, <laughs> Valentine's Day. You know, it was. Well, Valentine's Day wasn't good for them, you know, because uh, they made that <laughs> announcement. And, and obviously, we want to touch about the other announcement, which is of uh, JetBlue as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's finish this one first. The thing that's really interesting is armchair you know, journalists that really don't cover payments saw this as a massively bad thing. That's a bad thing for American Express because they're a publicly traded company and their optics on this situation is going to uh, weigh public view. But from the reality of the situation, you know, American Express did something quite ingenious by undercutting everybody in, uh, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, Discover Card was in, uh, was in competition with them, Visa, MasterCard, and they blinked back then. Now it's a different, it's a different time. Um, you know, in a perfect world, should have American Express found a way to bridge the gap? If I was on that negotiation team, I would have found a way to do that. I mean, you don't want to lose a big customer. Costco knows that. Companies like Walmart know this. Retailers know that they're in a, in a great negotiating position, but you have to really talk about the values you can extend. And perhaps Costco got the other element of the relationship. See, not only did uh, American Express gain by getting Costco customers, American Express also drove non-Costco customer, prior Costco customers mm, into mm. Costco. They did massive, massive amounts of state, statement insertion marketing to non-Costco members, and they signed up millions of members. Let's not forget that aspect of it. And when the relationship ends, by the way, it won't financially end for a decade. There's other paybacks for both sides that will continue on for quite a while. So it's really, like you said, Faisal, what else is it telegraphing? And I can tell you this, in Canada, you can use Apple Pay to purchase goods at Costco. All of the Costco mm. machines have NFC built in day one. And there's no okay. Okay, let me um, ask you bl bluntly: Are they shedding skin just to be acquired? American Ooh. Express. Mm -hmm. Wow, you're uh, you're getting really close to the sore spot of a lot of people. Um, I would say that's probably one of the best insights I've heard of anybody observing this. Um, so American Brian gives the stamp of truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Oracle has finally said it. I, I can tell you that American Express and Discover probably one of the most valuable uh, companies to, um, let's call Silicon Valley type companies, to, to get involved in payments in a very big way in a post-Apple Pay world. You know, it, 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 the, if you use Silicon I mean, you, Valley let's, multiples... Let's look at it, right? Let's look at it. A payment network worldwide. You have huh. banking facilities, relationships worldwide. You have a network that can move money. You have a brand that is associated with panache and grace and you know value and stature in society. You have loyalty. You have profile information on people. The physical card game is up. We all know that. I mean, it's just this generation that's going to be holding yes. on to it. The next generation will not be getting a physical card, period. Full stop, period. You know, uh, so... What's left? I mean, how, you know, it, let's just have an Apple Pay American Express or I don't know, whatever, a Google American Express or 
uh, I mean, it's it's more of servicing now, right? So it's it's yeah. more intangible rather than tangibles. Faisal, I'm loving this thesis, and let me extend one thing I think is close to your heart. American Express is a top five. Um, uh, uh, the you got to remember, American Express started its business being a money transmitter. The American Express uh, mm-hmm. uh, DNA was the American Express Travelers Travelers, Yeah, Travelers Checks. And they still exist, and there's still billions of dollars on Travelers Checks. But um, that money transmitter DNA is still out there. And imagine what one could do with modern technologies. Maybe let's go as far as, say, Bitcoin and other things. Uh, and, And using that existing infrastructure and relationships. There is not a major city, secondary city, or small city that doesn't have an American Express office still today that's still operational. And uh, it's, it's sort of the, the high-end Western Union. Uh, the, the benefit to a um, money-transmitted uh, transaction via American Express in this day and age is that I think you have a lot more reliability and trust, trust for larger uh, transaction volumes. Let me, let me walk you through this real quick. Let me give a couple of stats. Uh, the market cap for Discover right now, as of today, is... Mm-hmm. Twenty-six billion dollars. Wow. The wow. market cap for American Express seventy-eight, seventy-nine, just about nine, yeah, just about eighty billion dollars. For Mastercard, it's one hundred and one. What do you think Visa is? Oh God, probably uh, about four. No, it's it's four hundred. It's not that large. It's one hundred and sixty-five billion. Seventy. I was saying one hundred and seventy-five billion. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you're talking about the, these are the two of the smaller, relatively smaller. Uh, and, and Discover, so just, just to put it in perspective, Discover is worth about, what, uh, uh, six Pinterest? What did Pinterest said About eight billion yeah. or something? So, yeah. you know, that's about the, the order of magnitude. So if Amex and Discover merge together, you have a company just about as large as MasterCard. And that mm. is, that is, listen, using Silicon Valley uh, multiples, because right now we're not really using Silicon Valley multiples on these companies because they're seen as financial service companies. Uh, but there are people within the VC world who are waking up to this. Uh, a lot of it we've talked about. Some VCs who've listened to our show said, I never thought about Discover uh, being acquired by Google. I mean, we presented that concept in the summer of 2014. Mm. Odd that conversation. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, 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 you know, a, you probably are, you probably got some uh, mergers and acquisition lawyer all <laughs> All riled up right They're now. They're all getting sweaty. But but imagine if those multiples that we see on a Pinterest were uh, assigned to some of these payment companies, which they certainly could be with the things that Faisal was talking about. We are going to see an amazing transformation. And so absolutely right. The, this generation of of card, I mean, the whole card is going the way of the mm. A-track tape and the cassette you know, tape. I, I want to... I want to highlight something. There's uh, an analyst that actually said and wrote, quote, unquote, everything is moving in the wrong direction for American Express, unquote. So, I I mean, I find it very hard to believe, this is after the JetBlue, uh, you know, partnership had ended. I find it very hard to believe that American Express is so oblivious to something like this, you know, happening. There has to be an order to this madness, you know? I wouldn't say that they're oblivious. I would say... First off, let's look at their uh, their sustained quite well in a world uh, where Discover, if you look at it, has not been able to stay as as fleet footed and as technologically sophisticated as American Express. The implication of Amer- uh, the uh, the implementation 
of American Express inside of Apple Pay is the best I've ever seen. It by far is so much more sophisticated in notifications. I go to a gas pump. I put in my American Express card. Guess what? A second later shows up on my phone. I just charge a $100 transaction. Now, that freaks a lot of people out. That's called a, a pre-authorization. But American Express is so quick in reporting it and then adjusting it that the moment I uh, finalize that transaction, the $100 is erased and it goes to you know $71.22. So we have that, uh, that instant response. The other card codes are not even that even close to the realm of communicating. Also, during the holiday season, American Express was notifying me when I was close to merchants that had special offers and discounts inside of Passbook. So they know this system. That's one element. Uh, the, the brand still has a great deal of panache and, and elegance uh, attached to it. And the thing that is going on now is that we're in a bit of a no man's land in, in all of the payments industry. The people that were asleep and or heading the ground about Apple getting involved in uh, facilitating transactions, it's a bad wake-up call. The people that are assuming Facebook is not going to be in payments or Amazon, it's a big wake-up call. The people who thought that uh, Etsy wouldn't accept uh, payments and Pinterest wouldn't accept payments, big wake-up call. So all of these entities are converging. And then you have the banks, 2,000-plus, that jump aboard Apple Pay literally overnight because they're trying to stay in front of this technological shift. And some in the industry, and now recently on, on Twitter, I, uh, a shout out to my Twitter friends, my new Twitter <laughs> account, uh, they, they debate this idea tooth and nail, like Apple created some proprietary uh, playland that nobody's invited to. They opened up open standards. NFC was out there. Few people were using it to any degree. We can guarantee one year from now, NFC saturation will be to the 80 percentile at retail merchants. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, a lot of people think that's uh, boulder dash and, and hyperbolic. I'm always accused of being hyperbolic. I challenge anybody to go back to my prior statements. They don't look hyperbolic uh, with 2020 hindsight. So, now, what does that mean? Once you have this open platform, and the same idea as tokenization, Apple's championing that. It's an open standard. Any company can use it. And biometric. Now, you can't use Apple's biometrics, but that's an open idea that can be utilized with payments. And then finally, the concept of Passbook, where a bank can communicate to you via your phone and push notifications. Not a patented system. It's an open idea. Now, that innovation has got banks excited. And the armchair quarterbacks that are observing this market who may have an, a, an agenda selling their own closed wallet scheme, unfortunately, they're looking at this and saying, poo on you, Apple. You've made it a closed stack. You didn't allow me in here. No, that's absolutely wrong. Apple owns their entire uh, land grant because they earned it. And uh, they are allowing... By not using closed standards, everybody else should participate. Such as that, JetBlue. <laughs> well, yeah. So JetBlue now is, is it's decided they went out on their own. They went out and seeked a company to custom build an NFC reading system uh, for accepting payments in flight. Now, we might say that that's no big deal. And that, again, is part of that negativity naysayer view of where payments is going. This is a watershed event. You have a major company who said, I see Apple Pay as solving real problems. 
uh, you ever watch people reach for their wallet or purse while they're trying to get a drink on a plane? It ain't pretty. And guess what? <laughs> I've researched this. I researched the time involved in this, and it's correlated by JetBlue. By research, I, do you mean stare at people while they look for their credit yeah. card? <laughs> <laughs> only, only when they're with a, only when their purse is stopwatch in one hand. <laughs> and my and my iPhone recording it in the other. No, it was actually it was actually funny. I I, I did this in in uh, what was it two thousand seven. 2008, we were um, working with a company that was trying to get airlines to accept credit cards on their flight. Remember when they didn't accept credit cards in flight? Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right. And they they said uh, we couldn't authorize it. What we proved is the fraud losses were going to be so small because they couldn't get real-time authorization. It was before uh, Wi-Fi was widely available. And we showed them that aggregating batch transactions, not just me, but a group of us in the industry, would make sense. And they all the airlines adopted it. Well, now that's changed. Real-time transactions are taking place. The new device that JetBlue has is doing real-time authorizations. And what that means is a couple of things. Number one, they're not afraid of you doing high-ticket transactions. That means they're going to be more expensive things that you could potentially purchase in flight. And all I can tell you at this point, we're all going to be shocked. And I think you're going to see it coming from JetBlue, but probably more from Virgin Virgin Airlines and Virgin America. They have some incredible things uh, coming up. And they've already did that with their you know, uh, seat back screens. So Apple Pay allows somebody to hold their phone, which is probably in their hand already, in flight using NFC and Apple Pay tokenization, securely doing a transaction. So it's mm-hmm. it's a perfect use case, but it was driven by the merchant. It wasn't political. It wasn't MCX or Walmart saying, oh, you want to take 1.5% of people using credit. JetBlue's got some cutting edge uh, business. I mean, they, they are. They definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Frankly, I'm excited to take a JetBlue flight and just use it in the air. Wouldn't you like to buy a seat to sit down, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Upgrade. <laughs> if you want to sit to the seat in front of you, that's already empty. You can upgrade you, at Apple you, Pay. Oh, you want some air as well? <laughs> for you guys are, it's a gift you guys and a curse. Telegraphing the future. Uh, let me tell uh, you, this uh, is not uh, a good future, Brian. No, 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 no. Since it's brought up, uh, get ready for airlines that will have sections in the aircraft that allow you. Uh, you know, if you want to take a rest or go to sleep. You, you just simply pull out your wallet and you can upgrade for a bed. And literally pull out your phone. on your phone, uh, obviously, uh, that's the premise. See, it's not just about Apple Pay. It's going to be NFC. Today, JetBlue saying we accept Apple Pay. And, and damn right, they should because Apple is giving them a lot of uh, publicity behind it. Go, go put JetBlue in any search engine uh, right now and you'll see that they garnered front page news by supporting Apple Pay, which is a little message to any merchant or anybody in payments. When you support Apple Pay, the entire world is interested I don't know about you, but that billion dollars of free advertising sounds good to me. If you wait until mm. sometime in the summer, like some payment companies are saying they're going to support Apple Pay, oh yeah, we'll support it sometime in the summer. You, you're by that time, it's going to be all time news. So you're seeing people purposely supporting Apple Pay for one very base reason because it gets some attention, and that's fine. Yeah. Perfectly let me fine. ask you. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Apple Pay will, or rather, Apple will ever go the route of Discover or American Express? No, they're, they're, Apple wants to be a facilitator. They and say I they think, do. No, they don't ever. They don't ever want to uh, collect debt from your grandma. They don't see. Basically, okay, once you extend that. Credit, what, what about becoming a money transmitter or like Discover becoming a bank? 
they would have to become a bank. And uh, the problem with banks, it would hamstring the company. It's why PayPal is not a bank. Uh, it would hamstring the company with a tremendous amount of regulation and oversight. And do you define bank as just the ability to loan money out based on uh, no, cash flow? No, not necessarily. Have? Not necessarily. Those are retail banks. Commercial banks yeah. don't have to do that. So they don't have to do the home mortgages, the, you know, the small business loans, etc. So what is PayPal um, not doing that you say that? No, they're no not PayPal a bank. doesn't have... They're not a bank yet. I I I I see PayPal getting a bank somewhere down the line because you as get a, a lot of company, leverage. Though? As they turn public, you think that they want to no. hamstring well, themselves? Well, no, it's not about hamstringing. I think banks do offer advantage. They get earnings credit credits that they can use themselves. They have sure. a lot of uh, credit lines from the big banks. They will keep using that. I think it just makes more sense to have more power over your money because we are noticing, and we can discuss this someday else, we are noticing that the average remittance transaction hovers at around 8%. The average credit card transaction is about 2.75%. Yeah. Uh, over the years, this number is going to go down. So what's the floor? Where do you draw the line that I will not make the transaction go lower than this, despite market pressures or what have you? There has to be a floor. And I think competing for money and services is going to be very important for them. Owning a bank will make sure that that money comes to them rather than the bank. Well, this is true. But I would say that it's in Apple's DNA in their past. And if we want to use that as to telegraph the future, uh, they didn't become a record label, and they could have. They didn't become a television station uh, and producing content they could have. One could argue that uh, tangentially they haven't manufactured the car yet, you know. Yeah, well, now, th here's another thing. One would argue that, and this is a great news story right here, right now, is that would Apple become a car manufacturer? And that's so hard. That's like killer. Yeah, it, it's so hard for people to imagine. But when you think about the car in the future, it's a technological instrument. Once it becomes an electric-only uh, vehicle, it's a much different thing. It's using, especially uh, self-driving cars or assisted driving cars is really what I think we're going to see come from Apple first. I don't think Apple is going to bite the bullet and go full self-driving. I think they're going to assisted driving. And there's a lot of benefits to going down that road uh, uh, to begin with. A lot of it has to do with, again, working with the existing infrastructure and government and not trying to ask the world to change too quickly. But it sounds a uh, lot like uh, building an electronic product, right? It sounds like it a is. watch, an iPhone, a computer, a car. I mean, these are no all different. utilities you use. Uh, uh, well, I think before the car, the television, please. Well, well yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the problem with television is content, right? You know, uh, again. Uh, Apple, I mean, what is a the um, Apple uh, ITV, uh, Apple TV, Apple TV, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I, I got to tell you, my TVs is Apple TV. I, I shut off cable a long time ago. Um, my my kids don't know anything else but on demand. Uh, no one talks about uh, Apple service. TV. Apple TV doesn't get enough credit, man. I, I feel like yeah. for how for how awesome it is, I use it all the time. Mm. It's just basically mm. an app store for all the other publications. You know, CBS, yeah. Netflix, uh, and look Hulu. how big it's grown. I mean, yeah. scroll down. I mean, a lot of people don't scroll down anymore and see what's in that. It's it's a massive thing. And, you know, everybody's complaining about, you know, Apple's not quite doing its TV thing right. I don't think Apple wants to sell you a screen. I think they were wisely going to let anybody else sell you the screen. I think what they want to do is try to facilitate again the content producers to be able to deliver content much more efficiently and effectively. Which aren't, aren't they doing that exactly with Apple TV? I mean, I look at uh, it, that as a big success. But look what's missing on Apple TV, right? There, you, you can go. The retina display. <laughs> 
right now, yeah, uh, 4K. Uh, you know, you can go to Hula and stuff and get television, but the old models, and rightly so, they're they're freaking out because basically you, you got uh, HBO, which is one of the you know, uh, suppliers to sort of break ranks. You had to have a cable subscription to be able to use uh, these cable-only channels on your iDevices effectively. And HBO is going to, uh, sometime this year, open it up where you can just subscribe directly. Now, that was an artificial support to cable television. And that support is going to completely fall apart in this year that's a that's good news ultimately, but short term it's going to create befuddlement and chaos, and uh, and, a, and a, of financial losses that I don't think really need to take place. Apple was trying to create this transition in a very wise way. It's kind of what they did for the record industry. The record industry first came kicking and screaming, and I remember those early negotiations from the record side because I was very highly involved in that business. I knew people at Apple, but you know I wasn't on the, the Apple side negotiations. And I heard the stories, and the record companies were just frightened. They were afraid by file sharing, yeah. LimeWire, and 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 Steve said, "Listen, this is the future. Let me just show you three or four or five years ahead. Isn't it better to make a ninety-nine cent revenue on a song?" which you think you should be. Some of the uh, problem was, oh no, I want to make $3 on that single. You know, we sell singles over at, you got to remember, their mentality was. They yeah, were they're selling, coming at it from the old school mentality. That's right. They were yeah. selling singles for four ninety nine. Let me Let me ask Kmart. you this. So if the future really is Apple, Google making cars, right? Detroit car companies kind of going down the wayside. I would, I would suspect that the company that would be most interested in this, in this business model would be Virgin, right? They have a history of just turning typically wow. uninteresting uh, product wow. lines into really fascinating ones, right? You take the airline, for instance, I think one of the more successful airlines in flight now. Do you see Virgin coming out? Uh, Faisal, is this something you, would, you could imagine Virgin coming out with their electric car after it's kind of... Virgin is not the pioneering technical company, but they take existing technology and kind of tweak it a little bit to make it awesome for the user. Is this? You think that's the future? I, I, I don't cars? know about that, but if I had to bet on Virgin, I would, I would bet uh, Virgin Money 2.0 than than the car for yeah. sure. Well, I, I would have to say, and you're absolutely right about the DNA of Virgin, and I can see that happening. You know, you got to also see what's going on in the UK. The UK now made it legal for driverless cars to be on their roads, and there is a, quite an interesting driverless car. It's homegrown in the United Kingdom that is really quite interesting. We are at the precipice of some incredible, incredible convergence of information tech and hardware and and marketing. Is this gonna and be Apple is that is this gonna be released state by state in the US? No, I think what'll happen is the federal government through the Highway Act, will allow uh, driverless cars or assisted cars to begin with uh, to be legal. And I'm I'm betting on 2016. A lot of my colleagues that track this very closely are saying 2015. You'll see um, an, an executive order, primarily, or maybe uh, even Congress and Senate, to allow assisted driving cars uh, to be. Uh, a federal legal uh, requirement uh, if you are to get highway funds. And every state in the country gets highway right, funds, therefore right, right. it becomes state, uh, state law. Today there is a bit of a, uh, of a fear factor. You know, but let's talk about Uber. Let's talk about logistics and how brilliant it is. Imagine the day when uh, there was a, a woman that wrote a, a blog piece about how she gave up her car. She lived in L.A. Oh, and that she was Kyle. Lived- 
That was my my uh, roommate and business partner. Oh, I thought it was a girl uh, that wrote a Kyle, a piece. Uh, well, maybe yeah, he did it too. It's called uh, uh, yeah, the financial model comparing car ownership with UberX. Well, it was just uh, well, they were talking about parking tickets and the time it took to find parking and the hours that they spent in the car driving that they now do their own work in the car and yeah. Anyway, well, all right, maybe I got it conflated, but anyway, when you read that and you look at the the, the premise, as much as I, you know, am American red blooded apple pie eating guy, you know, I want to own my car this and drive it. The premise of the productivity angle as a nerd. I sit back and I go, you know, what if I didn't have to be behind the wheel? What if I could actually, you know, do the things within that time of getting that's productive? My family that I can now share more moments with them instead of being, or, you know, one's got the elbow on the other guy's rib, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think that as we walk down that path, companies like Uber will approach this uh, whole problem and say, listen, you don't need to have a car charging in your garage we'll deliver it to you driverlessly you tell us when you need it and then you go about your business you go to the grocery store if you're going to be there for 15 minutes it'll wait out there for you but if you're going to be longer you let us know in fact we'll know when you do your payment transaction you get to the yeah, i mean it's, I it's absolutely a beautiful more much more elegant solution to it i think the the elephant in the room is you have uh you know probably i don't know a hundred thousand uber drivers now so it becomes mm. a tough spot for those well, guys. You got to redundancy and obsolescence sets in. No? You got to understand that we are entering a world where I got to tell you, even coders, everybody who thinks that they're immune to being replaced by a uh, algorithm, is absolutely one hundred percent missing what this is all about. Every single one of us ultimately can be be, be replaced by enough uh, technology. The thing that makes us human beings irreplaceable is uh, working with our creative mind. Yeah, I think you that, will- that, like, it essentially goes to down, down a road of, of, of taking all the money that was essentially distributed to many, many people and then consolidating that in a single point, right? Because now Google yes. is going to be the manufacturer of all cars and you're going to have no one else making any money on cars or delivery or all the transportation industry now could go to Uber, right? If they actually produce and manufacture the cars. And I think that's that's where you see this consolidation of wealth in the but, world. But Mike, you, let's look at Henry Ford at the turn of the century. There was a patent on cars. And Henry came up with this idea to revolutionize cars so the average guy could own it. And again, I'm not being sexist. That's the way they saw the world back then. Women were not allowed to drive. Uh, so th- he said the average man can get his own car at the time, which uh, was a group of uh, wealthy individuals, they wanted the cars to be an elite status symbol. They were only going to be driven by chauffeurs or, or uh, gentlemen farmers who sure, move sure, uh, sure. to their... And then Henry Ford said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revolutionize this. I'm going to use uh, the manufacturing techniques that gunsmithing uh, created. Really, when you look at the production... This is why when people get mad at Apple for not, quote-unquote, inventing NFC or, or the USB uh, uh, standard, Henry Ford manufacturers have been doing for about 75 to 100 years earlier, effectively, and what the cotton industry did with weaving. And he said, you know what I can do is I could take those ideas and make a car. You want to know what everybody said? You're insane. First off, 
We don't want those people on the road. They are the unwashed masses. Let them use their burrows and their mules to get to work. That's how they saw it. But I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a resistance of te- technological innovation. I think it's the recognition that that complete wealth is being consolidated in a much smaller percentage of the population. Oh, that element. Yeah. Well, okay. Then when you look and at I mean, it from I, that I, point of view, I, I think it is inevitable, right? It's going to sort of go down that road because software is definitely better than having a hundred thousand drivers on the road. It's just it's going to be cheaper and people are going to move. I mean, there's a reason why Uber from their Uber black cars practically don't even exist now because UberX is just much more cheap. It's cheaper, right? Because people who are not professional drivers are willing to drive for less than their own personal cars. So I think if you go down that road, my only point is what, what kind of world does it change, right? How does it affect us? Is it fine? Is it totally cool to have, you know, 15 people in Silicon Valley control 90% of the you transportation know, industry? I, I don't know the answer. It's just something to think about you as know, we here's trend the thing, down that road. Here's the thing history has taught me. Whenever there is a consolidation of power, um, what ultimately happens within the human nature uh, of those people that control power, especially the next generation that inherits it from the first uh, entrepreneur founders, is that arrogance and an insular attitude develops. Now, I would argue that we could see that already in some startups. One of the biggest failings of startups right now is arrogance and insular attitude. That usually comes later. But anyway, let's look at culture. Let's look at cultures that were three to 5,000 years old. Let's look at the Roman culture. Let's look at the Greek culture, Egyptian. When you really truly study their history, and and again, this is a, a, a format and an infrastructure that we can use on business or any other elements of life, is that when you consolidate so much power, corruption ultimately takes hold, and then degeneration. So nobody gets to hold power forever. Nobody gets to be the, the dictator forever forever. What one does do is they get drunk on the power and they get drunk on the dictatorial thing and they get drunk on their successes and they think that they cannot fail. And then there's a guy in his garage, uh, maybe yeah, two guys in a garage. The next wave. And, I mean, and it's they're sitting be... there and the two Steves look at each other, stroking their be- beards barefoot, coming back from India and saying, you know something? I think everybody should own a computer. Uh, you know, maybe it turns around when everybody has this driverless car that's owned by one monolithic company, which I don't think game theory would ever uh, produce that result. And studying great game theory, you look at this, it could never really produce that result logically. What happens is if you give up on the human spirit and if you give up on human creativity and innovation, we do have these uh, very dark worlds. But I always bet on life. I always bet on nature. And if you don't just, want to bet I mean, on humans, but I, bet I, I on would nature. I would acknowledge that we're at a point in time where the the rate of growth for companies and individual wealth is just astronomically higher than ever before in history. By a magnitude, so it's, it's worth thinking about, right? It's worth yeah, and, like addressing potential faults in the future. But in the meantime. What, what do we have? Uh, you know, we have these marketplaces where people can now take their free it's amazing. and idle time. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's, 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 it's a gift it and a curse, existed. right? It's like kind of like the global warming effect, right? Like it's better for everyone, but then collectively, it's better for yeah. everyone individually, but collectively, it's detrimental. So I, mm. I don't, right? You don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, guys, let's wrap here. This has been an awesome, awesome show. Absolutely, um, we'll have this one up soon, and look forward to the next one. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Wonderful show. Have today. a good one. Have a good weekend. Talk, Thank talk you, Faisal. Thank you, Brian. Cheers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.